When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everybody. It's Shep Hyken here back with another episode of Amazing Business Radio. And we have an amazing guest today, Rebecca Morgan who is not only an amazing speaker, management consultant, she's written 28 books. Uh, she's been on the bestseller list. She has been on 60 Minutes. She's been on Oprah. Uh, she's been featured in the Wall Street Journal. She's been featured in Forbes. We have an expert. And not only that, she's my friend. And I really appreciate that. Before we get into the interview, you know my announcements. If you've heard the show before, if you've got an amazing story you want to share or a question you want to ask, you can go to any of the social media channels because I'm there. And if it is a question, use the hashtag AskShep, and I will make sure I answer the question either there on this show in my newsletter or on my TV show, which is Be Amazing or Go Home. And that can be found on Amazon, Apple TV, Roku, and you can even catch episodes on YouTube. All you need to do is go to beamazing.tv. That's beamazing.tv. All right, let's get into the interview. I've already given you a little insight into Rebecca Morgan. She is basically a, a management development expert, but why she is on this show is because a book she wrote a number of years ago actually close to 30 years ago. And it is a book titled Calming Upset Customers. And that book at the time was timely. And it turned out to be timeless. Great information is relevant today. And I'll predict 30 years from now as it was back then when she first wrote it. Rebecca, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Shep. It's a delight to be here with my dear friend. Yes, we've known each other for almost all of those 30 years, haven't we? Indeed, we have, yes. And uh, wow, have we been through a lot in this business and seen so much change. So let's jump right into this. You know, I, I have the book. I know the book. Tell our world about the book. Well, the book is designed to help people avoid upset customers in the first place. Like, what are they doing that might be irritating or annoying? as well as once there is an, an interaction, an altercation, how you can more easily calm someone down, getting them out of that anger. And that's so key right now in the environment we are in. We're seeing more and more upset customers every day reported in the news. Yeah. You know, and I think part of that, and, and we're going to become very, we're going to date this basically by sharing what I'm about to share with you. The reason customers are upset today, I think their expectations are higher. I think prior to the pandemic, uh, customer service, and it still is a priority for many companies, but they've been, uh, th then they were doing rather well. The pandemic comes along and then this idea, and I love this word, skimflation. Do you know about this word? No, tell us. <laughs> okay. I've been writing about it lately. I, I posted um, 
my my blog about this. Uh, and of course, I wrote about it in Forbes. I didn't come up with this term. Uh, it was on uh, NPR, some business show. Somebody said it's skimpflation, S-K-I-M-P, like skimp. They're skimping, okay? And it's like a result of higher costs, inflation, the labor shortage, which is the great resignation. And all of that adds up to where, oh my gosh, I can't get the people I need. I, I can't get the product I want. And they start skimping, the companies do, and they don't mean to, they don't want to. It's not like they're planning to do it. It's they're forced into it. A friend of mine just said, is mediocrity the new level of customer service? I mean, even the places that were doing great don't seem to be doing so great because they can't get the people. And so they're forced to skimp. And uh, I think that's causing customers to become upset, disappointed, angry, make complaints. And that just, you know, it, it's like a snowball effect. Well, and I'd like to add to that because I think you're, you're right in many industries. Although I've for many years said the airlines are the only industry that is actively making their, their product worse. You know, their profits are good, but yet they, you know, they take away all these little things that make flying bearable. And so we've seen so many of the air rage stories. And I think in addition to what you said about uh, skimflation, I think part of it is people are more stressed because of the pandemic being cooped up perhaps with people that they don't get along with for long periods of time. Plus, um, there's just so much a rise of incivility on social media and that filters out into real life. And we've forgotten how to people, you know, we've forgotten how to, how is to people be a people. verb. Is, well, it is now it is, a verb? it is now, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we've just forgotten some of the civilities and some of the things that make um, society work. So I think those also complicate. Plus there's stressed because people are fearful of their health or they're stridently against certain things that they think are put being put upon them. So I think it's a combination of uh, entitlement as well as just underlying anger about things in their life that they have no control over or little control over. And they take it out on the service providers whom they deem to be their boss. You know, I'm, I'm your boss, you know, I'm paying your wages. And so they come in with this attitude and the poor service providers are stuck with all of this pent up anger that has little or nothing to do with the service provider. But if the service provider just says the wrong word or has a tone of voice, which is certainly understandable because they're under a lot of stress, it can just tick these people off so they go ballistic. And we've just seen example example of people throwing hot soup in servers' faces and and worst. Yeah, and worse. Yeah. And then coming down to physicality, you know, just physically attacking them over something the provider had nothing to do with. So this is interesting. Um, if I uh how many uh like on like a percentage of customers that have called customer support? What percentage of you of them do you think have ever just lost their temper and yelled at that customer support person? Well, let's see. Do you have data on that? Actually, I'm going to because that's <laughs> one of the questions for my 2022 Achieving Customer Amazement Survey. I would guess that it is increasing based on the other data that I've been watching about that's been reported on the news. Um, specifically, I've been tracking this uh, the air rage 
ones. And it's exponential, the number of increased altercations. So I could extrapolate that to other industries that I think it's it's probably exponentially more than it was mm. two years I think ago. I, w- I would say, I mean, it, I just think that people lose their temper and they don't respect the people that are trying to help them. Yep. On the other hand, we also are asking a question. Uh, do you believe that the brands or companies that you call for customer support respect your time? Because I think part of the frustration is when I've got a problem, um, I, I call a company. The problem probably didn't happen the moment I called the company. It probably happened yesterday or, and I finally got around to the time and it's been festering a bit. And then they put me on hold for 30 minutes. Do you think that makes me happier? It, it, it puts me into a time, you know, a, a frame of mind where I'm, I don't know, frustrated a little bit more than I was at the beginning. And I'm going to try not to take it out on the person. I hopefully I have that kind of control, but I know a lot of people don't. Anyway, let's jump, jump to something else because I want to ask you, and I think you've kind of given me the answer. Do you think customers today uh, are more upset than they were uh, two, three, five years ago, or even when you wrote the book? almost 30 years ago. I do. I think that people who would have been rational or more patient are now much less so. And the people who were not rational or patient to begin with, now they have even even shorter fuse. So I, I do think that it's happening almost like an epidemic. Yeah, it seems that way. And um, again, I know that skimflation and the pandemic and everything else that is playing into business is changing at a rapid, rapid pace. Uh, I'm actually writing an article uh, for Forbes in a couple of weeks. It's going to come out um, by the time this episode airs, it will probably already be out, but it's basically addressing that with so much changing, I can't pronounce the Greek philosopher's name who said uh, the only thing constant in life is change or something to that effect. But I think that we expect change to happen, but just not so quickly. And it's taken people, um, you know, by it's just taken people aback. So what can leaders, executives, managers do to head off some of these upset customers? I think the first thing that they forget to do is to be a role model. So when anyone is upset, even their employees, and it's in their presence or directed at them, they need to practice some of the things that we have in the book. So things like really listening without getting defensive and and probing for more information and watching your tone of voice and especially watching your word choice. So they have to model it, which my experience is they they do not typically do. Mm. Um, And then I think they have to be willing to fire customers who are egregious or are repeat offenders. I think too many times they're afraid to to fire customers. And I think you and I share this philosophy that it, you need to do that sometimes for the welfare of your, your company, your employees, et cetera. And then let me me just add to that. The optics, the optics to your employees are, they were willing to fire that customer that's been so abusive to us. Thank you. I respect management and leadership even more exactly. when that happens. And yeah. uh, by the way, I would also emphasize, leave the door open, even though you're telling them you don't want to do business with them, tell them it, and tell them why. And tell them if they change their ways, you'll consider working with them in the future. <laughs> At least figure out a way to leave that door open. 
Yeah. I, I just recently fired a customer because he was just being a jerk continually, you know, ongoingly being a jerk. And I thought this is not worth it for me. Um, so my third idea for the executives and the managers is to train their staff, give them some, some good training. You have some excellent online training and in-person training. I provide training for the managers to be able to train their people. Uh, I, I don't, I typically work with the managers rather than the front line, but my book is a great training tool. That's part of why it's sold um, 250,000 copies. And the last thing is to not throw your staff under the bus. And that's linked to the second one about being willing to fire your customer. But if a, if a customer is complaining about a specific person, then to not be defensive, but to stand up for that person and say something like, you know, usually Sally is excellent and I'm sure there's something going on with this. Let me check into that especially if it's within earshot of other people. When you stand up for your employees in these situations, that, like you said about the second item, that just goes so far with morale mm, and loyalty. Yep, yep. yep. So yeah, uh, all of these are great answers uh, to a very, very important question is that leaders and managers can play a pretty strong role uh, in representing their company not only to the customer, but to the employees as well. Let's take a quick little break. And when we come back, I want you to share with us uh, how you see customer service providers doing wrong when trying to calm those upset customers straight from the book. And we are talking with Rebecca Morgan, who is an amazing friend, management guru, and also the author of the book, Calming Upset Customers. You can get it through Amazon or you can get it through RebeccaMorgan.com. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Hi, Shep Hyken, your customer service and experience expert. And I'm excited to tell you about my new book, I'll Be Back, How to Get Customers to Come Back Again and Again. Now, this book is packed with idea after idea on how to, just as the title implies, get your customers to come back. In the book, you'll learn that repeat customers aren't always loyal customers. Now, both are great, but there's a big difference. You'll also learn about 10 reasons a customer may stop doing business with you and three reasons you would stop doing business with them. And one of my favorite lessons is a six-step process for creating an I'll Be Back strategy. Of course, there's much, much more. You'll start getting more of your customers to say, I'll be back almost immediately. Just go to www.I'llBeBackBook.com. Again, that's www.I'llBeBackBook.com. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio talking with Rebecca Morgan. And we're talking now about, you know, calming that upset customer. What do you see customer service providers, the people on the front line doing wrong when trying to calm the upset customer? Well, since I started really examining this whole area, I really watch customer service providers now and how they handle upset customers. And the most prevalent thing I see them do is argue with the customer. So they get a little defensive yep, and they argue <laughs> back why that, you know, why, you know, well, this is just our policy or whatever it is, rather than empathizing with the customer and listening to them and trying to resolve the scenario. And that's really what I think they should be focused on. 
is solving the situation, even if there is no nothing they can do, helping the customer see how they could avoid this in the future. So being future focused, not past focused, I think helps calm the upset customer. But that that even things like I apologize for your inconvenience, or I can see this is upsetting, or or gosh, I would be upset too. Anything like that that shows empathy. Yeah, that's an acknowledgement statement. Exactly. And it really deflates the anger balloon pretty significantly. I'm not suggesting that these things work all the time with 100% of the customers, as, as again, we've talked about at the beginning of this conversation, but it certainly helps deflate it for many, many, many of those customers. Yeah, you're really, you're not trying to win an argument. You're trying to win the customer. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's really hard for people when they have thousands and thousands of customers. Um, I, I I worked with one uh, credit card uh, customer service provider, and they each got 200 customers a day, each rep, and 90% of those were upset customers. Yeah, nobody's calling customer support because they, it's not the customer compliment hotline <laughs> or, or company compliment. It's the customer support. And you know what? Here's the thing. Customer companies can make it easier or hard. You know, number one, as I mentioned before, putting somebody on hold for an unreasonable amount of time. Uh, somebody sends an email taking six days to get back to them rather than maybe within a, a day or maybe trying to put a, um, you know, a goal of maybe trying to return emails in four hours is pretty strong. But the point is it, it should never get to, a, you know, uh, to the point where customers feel they're disrespected by the company. But unfortunately, um, I hate to say it, it's happening. I don't think companies intentionally do it, but it happens that people aren't trained. To your point also, Rebecca, you know, a company or a, sorry, a customer support person that receives 200 calls a day, most of which are people complaining or having a problem. You know, people say, how do they deal with this? I believe that there are certain people in this world that thrive on solving and resolving problems and issues. They love to turn the anger into happiness. And when they do, it just makes their day and they can go on and on and on and, and do this for weeks without having a mental breakdown. <laughs> for some of us after three or four hours, I go, oh my gosh, I'm done. Right. Where's well, the ledge? You can imagine the turnover in that company was pretty high because very few of them were, as you initially described, they didn't thrive on it. They, they so you've got a higher right. That's really important. I mean, that's a part of a good customer service strategy is hiring the right people to be on the front line and salespeople are different than support people or different than general, you know, uh, employees that might happen to catch a call on the front line, but we've got to train them properly to do so. Uh, hey, let's talk about more about altercations. And if a manager or a leader finds out that a member of his or her staff uh, had an altercation with the customer. How do you approach that employee and um, see what you can do to make it, I don't know, a learning process, uh, making it right. If somebody did it wrong, how do you criticize them properly? There's a lot to be uh, baked into this question here that you can can Thank you. And, and I, I find that this is really a key step that is missing in most organizations, there's not some process of, okay, after an altercation, if the manager sees it or hears about it, then I think they 
first need to step in and say, how are you doing? Are you okay? Do you need some time? Do you need some space? When I was in these positions as a, as a young person, fresh out of college, I would need to go into the bathroom and have a good cry sometimes because someone was so disrespectful or, or rude to me, or maybe the employee just needs to walk around the block. I would go and make sure that they are okay first. And then, and by the way, I'll bet you that's a step that's left out. I think the first person, uh, first question is, what the heck happened? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So make sure that they're taken care of. Then if they say they're fine or they, you know, they're ready, then you can say, well, you know, tell me what happened. Tell me the story. And then you hear their side, of course. And if appropriate, then reassure them that they're not going to get fired over this because that is part of their stress. Um, especially if the customer is a big customer. And if that's appropriate, then reassure them at that point. And then, and then once they've told you the story, find what they did well and reinforce that. Now, then later you can come back and say at the, at the end of this initial conversation, say, okay, I want you to think about this, this scenario. And in a day or two, I'd like us to have another conversation what would you do differently if you had to do it over again? And then come back, we'll discuss that. And then you're looking to them to self-coach, but you're giving them a couple of days to really get through the upset themselves and come back with a more measured, more thoughtful response. Because in the moment, I guarantee you that most of them are going to say, I didn't do anything wrong. It was the customer's fault. You know, they're going to be in defensive mode. So then you've turned this into a learning opportunity, a teaching moment, as they call it. Um, so just, and then if they say, I don't know what I would do differently, then you can say, well, based on what you told me, here are some things that you might consider doing differently next time. And then if it makes sense to actually reach out to the customer, if you know who the customer is and say, I know, I heard we had a, a mishap the other day, but can you tell me what happened and try to resolve it with them if it's somebody you want to keep as a customer? Yeah. So I, I, a couple of things there. I mean, obviously, if you get a person that has an altercation with a customer, did you put the right person on the front line to begin with? And I think that is a bigger problem than the person who's on the front line that had the altercation. They should never have been hired to do this job if that was in their makeup. And you can find that out with good behavioral style assessments and good interviewing skills. Very, very important. Um, now, that doesn't mean they're not trainable, but they need to know there's a boundary they can't cross. And uh, I'm okay with somebody making mistakes. I'm okay with, uh, but I'm never going to be okay with somebody losing it with a customer. So uh, to me, I would say, you know, uh, we've got, we've got two, two functions here and, and I know we can talk about this for hours, but let me make it real quick, hire the right person, train them properly and empower them and tell them where the line in the sand is and teach them that when they get to the line in the sand that they shouldn't cross to come and find a manager or supervisor to help them. Makes sense. It does. I mean, you don't disagree with me. I, I have some caveats, but I know we don't have a lot of time to explore those. <laughs> I know it's tough. Every situation's different. And, you know, we can only hope, you know, the other thing that I would emphasize to, to some people who are listening to this show is that, you know, when you have this altercation, understand why, and maybe make this person feel really good about how they can handle it better next time. And ask if they'd be willing to teach a class or, te or spend 10 minutes at a group meeting on this is 
how, you know, this should have been handled. I mean, they can, we can turn this into making this employee if they're comfortable and that's important, become a hero and a great example of what to do from mm -hmm. a lesson they learn. And I love that when it's done the right way, you know, we're just about out of time. And again, I know we can talk for hours on this. Uh, again, the book is titled Calming Upset Customers by Rebecca Morgan. You can go to RebeccaMorgan.com or you can go to Amazon. My one thing question comes up now. And what's that one last nugget of information that you'd like to share from the book or from your experience on how to calm upset customers? Well, know that you can't appease everyone and to really work to not take it personally. I think that's the biggest challenge in these sort of situations is people take it personally and they feel like they are incompetent. And it just happened that this customer and you, for whatever reason, they got their buttons pushed around you. Maybe you got your push, buttons pushed with them. And to really take a sigh, take a little break, reflect what could you do differently? What do you, did you do well? So doing the same analysis for yourself so that you can learn from it and be better the next time. Yeah, don't take it personally. They're mad at the company. They're mad at a product. They're not necessarily mad at you, but you have the opportunity to turn it all around. I call that the awesome responsibility because that one person at that moment is the face of the brand and they have great opportunity to win that customer over and ideally uh, calm that upset customer. <laughs> and uh, Rebecca, you've given us great information. And as always, I appreciate your wisdom. I've known you for years. I've seen you on the platform doing presentations. You and I talk about once every month or so when we just get together and chat about everything related to our business. You are a wealth of information, a wonderful person. And thank you for being on the show. Well, thank you, Chef. Well, all right, everybody, that wraps it up. Another episode of Amazing Business Radio. And I know this was a great one. It's why we call it Amazing Business Radio. So let's come back next week because we'll have another interview and I promise you it will be a great one. And until that time, this is Shep Hyken reminding you to always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>